What seemed improbable just a few days ago is turning into the probable. We'll talk about that on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can also read my work covering the Oklahoma Sooners over at SoonersWire.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Sooners. Josh is going to be taking a little bit of time off uh, this week and next week. It's that time of the year where we just kind of alternate vacation time. So he's going to get his in now before we get ready for fall camp and the season just starts heating up. We got to start with the big recruiting news that occurred on Wednesday afternoon. The buzz was certainly uh, palpable early in the week, leading into Wednesday, even Wednesday morning, but really hit a fever pitch Wednesday afternoon when the predictions started coming in. Uh, first, it was from Rivals Miami insider Frank Tucker, who flipped his pick for four star defensive tackle Jaden Jackson. From Miami to the Oklahoma Sooners. That was followed up by on three national recruiting analyst Jerry Hamilton, also formerly of uh, Texas Insider, uh, a big time you know Texas recruiting analyst, and then Sooner Scoops Josh McQuistian, also part of the on three network, also issuing predictions favoring the Oklahoma Sooners for my man, my favorite guy in the class. That's it. Four-star defensive tackle Jaden Jackson out of IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. The teammate of highly regarded, high-priority prospect target for the Oklahoma Sooners, David Stone. This has been one of those guys that, I mean, we've talked to Brian Smith, who's big on recruiting. down. He covers recruiting down in Florida, deep in the know, and he speaks highly of Jaden Jackson and what he's able to do. When I mentioned, you know, what, two months ago, uh, maybe that, or back in June, I guess, that uh, Jaden Jackson was a three-star, according to a couple different, you know, recruiting sites, he kind of scoffed at that idea. And you watch what he puts on tape, you know, the huddle highlight film, if you want to, to use that um, as your basis for analysis. And yeah, it's hard to argue, why is this kid a three-star? Well, some of it could, in certain perspectives, I mean, he's a four-star guy a very much a four-star player and a four-star talent at the very least, if not better. You look at what, you know, his man, David Stone had to say about him uh, on Twitter today. And I'm going to share that tweet with you real quick on, for the YouTube people. David Stone said of Jaden Jackson, if you know ball bro is definitely the best nose defensive tackle in the country, definitely top 10 DL as a whole. And that's David Stone also including himself in that discussion in that category. So he's he's saying that Jaden Jackson is the best defensive tackle, best nose tackle, best defensive lineman, at least top 10. You know, like there's so much uh, excitement over this kid. And I've told you why. He's he's a 300 pound kid going into his senior year. He's 6'2". That's going to give him a great opportunity to play with great leverage. He displays play strength on the highlight film. He displays quickness. He's got a great get-off. He's able to burst through the line of scrimmage, 
penetrate in pass rush situations, also make big plays in the run game as well. It's somebody that you can line up over the center and not worry about if they're going to hold up under the pressure of double teams. He can take on those double teams and he can beat them. He showed that at IMG. He's going to get stronger. He's going to add even more you know, functional play strength and play weight to his frame and get even bigger and be an even bigger threat in the run game and in, in and in pass for a situation. So, you know, this is one of those recruitments that looked like it was going to be Texas for a time. You know, Miami has been in big in on Jaden Jackson, Ohio state as well, but it seemed like in the last few days, it was trending towards Texas. Well, over the last 24 hours, 48 hours, Todd Bates, Brent Venables, Miguel Chavis, Ted Roof, the defensive staff, the on you know campus recruiting, all of that has turned the tide in the favor of the Oklahoma Sooners. And I couldn't be more ecstatic. Yeah, I mean, David Stone, he's the five-star guy. He's a high priority in this class. He's going to be a great player for you when he gets on campus. But you got to have more than just David Stone at defensive tackle to get into the SEC, take a step, put yourself in a position to contend for an SEC conference championship and a national title. You got to have the dudes up front along the defensive line. Otherwise SEC offensive lines, they're going to, they're going to have their way with you. If you don't have the studs like a Jaden Jackson and a David stone plugging up the holes in the middle, it's going to make life so much more difficult for everybody else involved. We saw it last year, you know, the defensive tackle play at times was pretty good at times. It wasn't very good. And that impacts the linebackers and their ability to get downhill, play the run, even flow sideline to sideline. If they're having to deal with guards as opposed to tight ends and cornerbacks or running backs in the run game, it it makes a big difference. If you're having to take on a guard or a center or a tackle at the second level, then if you're having to take on a cornerback, sorry, not a quarterback, a wide receiver or a tight end at the second level, it's a huge difference for a linebacker. It's going to allow them to make more plays down, you know, Uh, In the backfield, sideline to sideline, be able to stretch things out a little bit better because you got a guy, if you do end up getting this commitment in Jaden Jackson, nothing's nothing's for sure, nothing's final. He's going to make his commitment known at 5 p.m. Central Time on Thursday on 247 Sports College Recruiting Show live on YouTube. So make sure you go check that out. But if you do get him, it's a huge get because then you have a legit nose tackle to pair with David Stone, to pair with whatever defensive tackles, a Dominic McKinley, a name, name another defensive tackle. You know, your your even your three star guys in the twenty twenty three class, your Ashton Sanders or your Marcus Strong's. Like this gives you a guy that you can plug in over the center, play that one technique also between the guard and the center, and then it allows a guy like David Stone to you know play between the guard and the tackle. Where okay, that tackle he's going to have to deal with the edge rusher. He's going to have to deal with a guy like Adepoja Adabare or Williams Nuneri out there on the edge. And the guard's going to have to go one-on-one with David Stone, whereas Jaden Jackson can eat up the guard and the set and the center on that side of the line and allow everybody else to work one-on-one or require the offense to put a tight end or put a running back in position to block on the edge, allowing guys like David Stone and Jaden Jackson to work out the middle. And I mean, we know the talent that David Stone has. He's got the ability to get up field quick in a hurry. Jaden Jackson's got that similar ability too. He, he's a guy that is able to penetrate really quickly. And he's got great play strength, great hands. I mean, so much about defensive line play is hand usage. 
and he displays really mature hands, an ability to use his hands to de- you know deflect blocking attempts and then be able to get by uh, guards, centers, uh, and get to the quarterback, get to the running back, and make the play. I mean, you look at a, uh, at a lot of these kind of big time you know defensive tackle types. We can go back to you know uh, the Christian Wilkins or the Dexter Lawrence types that played for Brent Venables and Todd Bates at Clemson. Those dudes were 300 pound plus guys and could play the run, could rush the passer with equal effect. You got to have a bunch of these guys if you're going to compete for national titles. And it looks like the Oklahoma Sooners are on the verge of getting that commitment from Jaden Jackson. We'll see how it all transpires. We'll discuss the commitment, whichever way it goes on the next episode of Locked On Sooners. So make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcast. We're going to continue to talk recruiting because there was another intriguing nugget that dropped on Wednesday. We're going to talk about talk about Gus Cordova. Uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about what happened at Big 12 Media Day 1, what Mike Gundy had to say, what Brett Yormark had to say before Thursday's opportunity here from Brent Venables and Oklahoma's players uh, at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas on Big 12 Media Days. Uh, we're going to talk about, again, Gus Cordova after the break. And now I want to talk to you about our friends, our partners over at FanDuel.com. FanDuel, now's the time to get in on Major League Baseball bets. You can get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet $20 over at FanDuel and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. You can bet that $20, you lose it. FanDuel's still going to give you $200 just by using our promo code locked on or fanduel.com slash locked on to get those $200 in bonus bets. Right now is a great time to get in on Major League Baseball with the first swing betting at FanDuel. I mean, if you're like me and you're a Texas Rangers fan, or maybe you're a Houston Astros or St. Louis Cardinals or whatever you are, but right now, Texas Rangers, they're plus 440 to win the American League pennant. That's tied with Houston at plus 440. Tampa Bay is plus 210. They're the favorite right now to win the American League. Over in the National League, it's the Atlanta Braves at plus 145, followed by the Dodgers, plus 210. You want a few long shot odds? I mean, why not Arizona at plus 1,200? Philly, plus 1,200. San Francisco, plus 1,400. But, I mean, I like what my Rangers are doing right now offensively. They're one of the best in the in the or in the nation. They're one of the best in Major League Baseball. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on college to get, sorry, slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel is an official partner of Major League Baseball. So now we're going to talk about Gus Cordova. So this Gus Cordova kid, 2025 prospect out of – Austin, Texas goes to Lake Travis high school under the radar. Nobody's rated this kid yet. Six foot five, 250 defensive end. His only other offer other than Oklahoma, which the Oklahoma offer got announced by, you know, Cordova on Wednesday morning. Not long after that offer came through our guy, Parker Thune, OU insider at rivals issued a rivals future cast in favor of Oklahoma. The only other offer is the Baylor Bears. So while this kid doesn't have a lot of power five offers right now, while he's not been rated, I think you can look at the two offers that he does have and you can at least surmise that he's a pretty good defensive prospect. If Dave Aranda and Brent Venables are both going after this unrated under the radar defensive end prospect. I mean, he's every bit of six, five. 
he's every bit of 250. The dude is tall. He's long. He plays strong. And he looks like a strong side defensive end or somebody that you're going to bulk up and play inside a defensive tackle. He's got the ability to stretch the field, work runners and quarterbacks to the edge, use his arm length and be able to bring him down anytime he gets contact. This is a kid that plays with great discipline. In his huddle highlight, you see a lot of times where quarterbacks are running the read option and he's, he gets in great position, breaks down in front of the the quarterback and the running back waits for them to make the decision on what they're going to do. And there's nothing to do. You either give it to the quarterback and Cordova brings you down or you give it to the running back and Cordova brings you down. Now you might be asking yourself, okay, why would a kid from Austin go to OU? Didn't we see this same song and dance before with Colton Vasek, you know, a Texas legacy kid out of the Austin area, you know, ended up you know committed to Oklahoma. Then he flipped to Texas before signing with the Longhorns. Well, this is different. Gus Cordova, this is a kid who is a Oklahoma legacy by a long shot. I mean, he's got he's got family that was uh, at OU in the 80s, got family that was, um, you know, according to looks like I think it's rivals, um, a fat Mike over there on the rivals message boards claiming to be Gus Cordova's uncle. And he might very well might be. I can't confirm that. But he says his mom was homecoming queen in 1992 and his aunt, grandma and great grandma all went to OU. It's my nephew. And I can tell you, we have been planting this seed for a while. Don't want to take the drama out of it, but he loves OU. And honestly, what's not to love about the Oklahoma Sooners right now? They're a team that's trajecting. Is that a word? Trajecting? I'm going to make it a word. They're trajecting. Uh, They've got an upward trajectory right now. They're a team that's on the rise. They're growing and they're building this defensive core that's going to help them be a a team to be reckoned with when they get to the SEC. 2025 is a long way off. I mean, we're still, what, six, seven months away from the 2024, you know, five months away from 2024 early signing period, seven months away from National Signing Day in February of 2024. I mean, so we got a long time before the 2025 class is all settled. So that's going to give a guy like Gus Cordova an opportunity to earn even more offers. Now, teams could be like, well, he looks like he's Oklahoma through and through, so we're not going to bother offering. But odds are that as more people catch wind of who this kid is, what his size is, they're going to throw the offer out there just on a whim that maybe he decides, hey, look, I'm going to get a better opportunity to play somewhere else. But if Oklahoma really is the the fit, if if it really is the dream school, you know, he talked about in his you know tweet announcing that he got an offer from the Sooners. He said, I'm blessed. And, you know, a lot of guys say, you know, I'll glory to God. I'm blessed. You know, prayers up or, you know, answered prayers uh, when they get offers from schools. But this is one that it looks like it's a family matter. All the family wants this kid to be at OU. And I think that that's, that bodes well for the Sooners in this recruitment. Um, you know, you look at what Oklahoma is able to do defensively as they grow as a program. And yeah, man, 2022, that was not good. You can't, you can't say anything really positively about what 2022 was, except for the flashes that we saw from certain players like a Danny Stutzman who led the big 12 in tackles, like an R Mason Thomas who flashed a lot of speed and agility off the edge. Ethan Downs who finished the season strong, Jordan Kelly, Isaiah Coe who played well in rotational roles. Uh, you know, Billy Bowman who, getting his first opportunity to start was good at times, not so great at times. And so there's, there's flashes from this team on defense that have you thinking, okay, there's some solid pieces here. We just need to see them take steps and become good to great pieces. But then you're also adding 
maybe the 2024 class that looks like it's going to be an elite defensive class headlined by potentially all things are pointing to this, but Williams, Donary and David Stone and our guy, Jaden Jackson, uh, James Nesta, you know, Wyatt Gilmore, maybe even a Danny Okoye. Like there's, there's opportunities to continue to build this defensive class to where you have, you know, blue chip prospects up and down. I mean, we already got Jeremiah Newcomb, the four-star cornerback. We got Jaden Hardy, the four-star safety as part of the class. So things are really trending very well for this defense based on the recruiting. I mean, we loved what they did in 2023 with Adepoja Adabare, with Peyton Bowen, Makari Vickers, Josiah Wagner. Like that was a really Lewis Carter, Sam Omasigo, Phil Picciotti. Like this was a really good defensive class in 2023, but 2024's defensive class is going to be even better. And then you think, okay, if they were able to do what they've done in the short window they had in the 2022 cycle to recruit the short, you know, the little bit longer window that they had in 2023, a little more than a year to recruit to Oklahoma, the and and now having two full years to recruit for the 2024 cycle, what are they going to do in 2025? Do you count this team and this recruiting staff, this coaching staff, out of being able to put together consecutive five or top five classes in this cycle? I don't. I mean, at this point, like I believe that. Gus Cordova, I mean, he's going to be a part of another five, you know, top five class in the recruiting cycle because they did it in 2023 with arguably maybe less of a defensive class. They had great pieces in Adepoji Adabari and uh, maybe, I wouldn't even say lesser, but a different, a differently constructed, constructed defensive class. You got the five-star defensive back, a five-star edge, a bunch of four-star linebackers and defensive backs as well. Well, this class is going to be very defensive line heavy. And you still got a couple nice blue chip defensive back pieces, a blue chip linebacker piece and James Nesta. So it's kind of all building. And then in 2025, I mean, you kind of the, the slate is clean at this point and you can build your group. However you want, you don't have to take so many at a certain position because you loaded up on defensive back in 23, you're loading up on defensive and linebacker in 2023 you're loading up on defensive line in 2024 so you have a chance that you can just keep building and stacking talent wherever you want to for your defense and again i think gus cordova is going to be a big part of that he i mean again go watch his highlights check him out austin gus cordova long dude strong good play strength he gets to the edge he sets the edge really really well plays the run game with great discipline and he's very very disciplined in the quarterback uh read option game with the running back so very interesting prospect uh his mom followed me on twitter today so that's an intriguing element of this um who knows what it all means but it looks very 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 likely that Gus cordova is going to be an oklahoma sooner at some point down the road last couple things we want to talk about stem from big 12 media days that happened in arlington texas uh mike gundy i mean mike gundy's gonna mike gundy right he's gonna say you know, that the, uh, that Bedlam is off that Oklahoma, they're the ones that made Bedlam no more based on what they did, uh, by joining the sec. Let's find his quote real quick. Um, they chose to end Bedlam, uh, is what Mike Gundy said. When Oklahoma decided to leave the big 12, they chose to end Bedlam. Gundy said at Bill 12 media days on Wednesday, it's a one-sided deal. People were trying to decide what happened and what needs to happen to make it go on. They kept pushing Oklahoma state into it. We didn't have Jack to do with it. They left the conference. Bedlam goes with it. Goes on to say 
The SEC eventually will go to a nine-game schedule. I'm sure Oklahoma has a Power 5 team they're playing every year. We would have a difficult time matching up with them in in non-conference. We're scheduled out through 2037. We're not responsible to change what we do because they left the conference. It's real simple. They chose to get into the SEC. That's the choice they made. Oklahoma's moved to the SEC. Oh, and this is my words. Sorry. But yeah, I mean, he's he's laying it all at the feet of Oklahoma. Joe Castiglione, Joseph Harris. And I mean, yeah, Oklahoma decided to leave. But at what point, though, Oklahoma State, and, and this is Mike Gundy talking. This isn't President Casey Schramm. This is an athletic director, Chad Weiber, talking. But at what point, Oklahoma State, do you think you should probably just bury the hatchet and do something that's going to be good for your school? Because while there is some concern that you add a, a team like Oklahoma that's dominated the all-time series to your non-conference schedule, it makes potentially making the playoff a little bit more tricky. However, with a 12-team playoff, you can afford to take some risks, right? You can afford to schedule in Oklahoma if you think you're good enough to contend in the Big 12. If you finish as the second-place team in the Big 12, if you've got a team like Oklahoma on your schedule, that just gives you a better strength of schedule to be able to you know, show to the committee and be like, hey, we might not have won the Big 12, but hey, look, we're the 10th, 11th best team in the, in the country. Look at our strength of schedule. We got Oklahoma on it. How much does it benefit the economy? You know, I don't know what the, the numbers are, but I'm sure Stillwater's, you know, uh, city council and the mayor could tell you how much having Oklahoma and Oklahoma fans come to town for Bedlam, how much that does stimulate their economy. Anytime you have a game that generates the buzz that Bedlam does, it's going to stimulate things. People are going to go to the more bars. They're going to buy more drinks. They're going to eat more food. They're going to, you know, attend more games, buy more merchandise. All that stuff matters. Creating buzz matters in this sport. Economy matters. And while I get Mike Gundy's still kind of hurt over the idea that Oklahoma would leave for the SEC without Oklahoma State, the reality is this is a game that, that benefits the state of Oklahoma. It benefits Stillwater. It benefits Norman. Now I know you could say, okay, Oklahoma is going to get Alabama coming to Norman in 2024. And that's going to be huge for the local economy. Absolutely true. hundred percent true. But how much better would it be to have Oklahoma state on your non-conference schedule versus Tulane? Does anybody get up for Tulane? Anybody get excited for Arkansas state? No SMU. Eh, it's an intriguing non-conference game, but is anybody excited for that? No, no. You're like, okay, cool. Solid group of five team. Both of them. Tulane, SMU, Arkansas State, near meh. It's whatever. Here, take the check. Have fun. Take your beat down and go. No, have, have a game that means something on your schedule. Yeah, you're going to have Texas. You're going to have the Red River Showdown, but you're not going to have that game, that rivalry game that comes to Norman every other year. You're going to develop new rivalries. You're you're going to re kind of re uh, reimagine a rivalry with Missouri. Potentially, you could create one with Arkansas. You're going to reestablish something with Texas A&M. But you got the built-in one right there with Oklahoma State. And this again, this is more on Oklahoma State's side of things because Joe, you know, Castiglione said, "Hey, we we would love to play Bedlam." You know, they've they're going to have some open Power Five dates uh, on their schedule moving forward. You know, this next in 2024, I think they still got to figure out who their power five opponent is going to be. Now, that's unlikely that's going to be Oklahoma State because they'd have to do some restructuring of their schedule. But I mean, games get canceled all the time. The schedule changes on a regular basis. If Oklahoma State really wanted the game, 
they can make it happen. They could find a way. These people are not dumb. Casey Shrum, Chad Weiberg, they're not stupid people. They could figure out a way to get Oklahoma on the non-conference schedule if they wanted to. And it's not all up to Mike Gundy. And I get Mike Gundy. He's a, he's a power broker in Stillwater. He matters. He's, he's a voice that carries a lot of weight there because of his longevity, because of his success. He's the most successful coach Oklahoma State's ever had. At the same time, this is a business decision. This isn't an emotional decision. And yeah, Oklahoma left on a business decision, but Oklahoma State, sure, you could get by. You could do just fine. Stillwater could be just fine. But how much better could it be by having Oklahoma's business in your backyard? I think, I think you could ask your, your patrons, ask your local restaurants, your local hotels, how much do they, how much will they miss having the Oklahoma Sooners come to Stillwater every other year? And that kind of gives you your answer. We know that college sports is all about money. We know it. The, the evolution of NIL, the evolution of broadcast rights, coaching salaries, like all of it points to the almighty dollar. And when businesses miss out on potential revenue because Oklahoma is not going to be going to Stillwater in 2025, that might make some noise. When the city council and the chamber, chamber of commerce see their, I don't know if there's a sales tax, but, or a hotel tax or food and dining tax. I don't know the ins and outs of their taxes, tax structure in Stillwater, but when they see the difference in revenue, from 2023 to 2025, they might have something to say to Oklahoma State power brokers about, hey, let's let's find a way to get Oklahoma back on this schedule so we can help benefit our local economy. Okay, last thing that we're going to touch on here, Brett Yormark, man, love you, dude. I, I think he, he's going to be a great commissioner for the Big 12. He really is. I, I really do think he's what this conference needed. He's energized the, the fan bases. He's energized the programs that are staying Oklahoma, Texas, he helped orchestrate the early exit. So more power to you. High five. Shout out Brett Yormark. At the same time, he he kind of took took a exception a little bit to the idea that Oklahoma and Texas had dominated the recruiting scene in the Big 12. I mean, which that's basically fact. Oklahoma and Texas have dominated the recruiting scene in the Big 12. But uh, he basically said, I don't think they've carried the conference uh, when asked about recruiting, they haven't been in our championship game the past few years. And yeah, both are facts like they, or that's a fact. They haven't been in the championship game the past two years, but in the buildup or in the last six or the six years prior to that, who won the conference championship, Oklahoma in the four years since the big 12 championship game got reinstated prior to the last two years, who was in it? Oklahoma every year, Texas once at least. And, I mean, you know how important they are. At the same time, I get you don't want to give them too much hype, too much credit, because you want to start promoting your league, what it's going to be in the future. You want to promote your new teams, the new vision, the new look Big 12. And yeah, you want to, as he said, in the Big 12 Media Day state of the conference address, they want to appreciate what Oklahoma and Texas have meant to the league in their tenure. But he's very clear that, Hey, we're going to be great without you. And you haven't dominated anything, which is false. Oklahoma has 14 big 12 championships. The next best uh, teams have three and uh, that's Baylor and Kansas state and Texas. Um, 
I mean, you, you take Texas and Oklahoma out and the remaining big 12 schools that are still in the conference only have eight combined conference championships. So it's pretty easy to tell like, okay, who's dominated this thing in its history. So I, I get where Brett Yormack is coming from, from that. Yeah. You don't want to lean too much into the man. Oklahoma was such a great program. They were so good and dominant and we're really going to miss them. And our conference is going to suffer. No, you got to exude confidence and strength and, and, you know, optimism about the future. You got to be able to sell your product and sell your new teams as like, man, look at this Kansas state, look at TCU, look what they did this past year. And, and what a great game they gave us in the big 12 championship game a year ago. Uh, so there's, I mean, this is a team that, or this is a conference. that's going to be a lot of fun. I've said it many a time. I'm a big 12 fan. I've always been a big 12 fan. Even before I was an Oklahoma fan, uh, you know, sitting on my couch, sitting on my living room floor, when I was a high school college student that, uh, you know, just enjoying big 12 football on a Saturday, it, it was a lot of fun to watch, you know, the early days of the air raid, like what, how cool was that? This is like 1998, 99 to early 2000s. Super fun, man. So much fun. Like, you know, the, the dat win Texas A&M Aggies, like it's just really good football, Colorado, Nebraska rivalry, just great times. It's a shame that none of those three schools are still in it, but uh, I think they're going to be a really fun conference moving forward. And is it going to be on the, on par with the sec as far as, you know, national championship aspirations or NFL prospects? Probably not, but they're going to put together a lot of really, really fun and entertaining football games in the big 12. I mean, we saw it last year. We saw how the parody is growing in the league and you're seeing a, a, a cluster of teams that are much more close than, you know, maybe they once were, you know, teams like, you know, Kansas is growing, gaining Iowa state's getting better year by year. So this is a, it's, it's a conference. that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And, and I know like we're going to be focused on the sec in 2024, but there'll be times when there's a big time, big 12 game that I'll probably watch that because it's local, you know, like, yeah, it's not local because it's not Oklahoma, but it's not sec. You know, Kansas is just a, a stone's throw away from here. It, it's going to be fun to watch. Like, you know, we got, I, I got friends that are Kansas Jayhawks fans and wildcat fans and Oklahoma state fans. So I'm going to keep up with what's going on because I want to talk to their, my friends about what, what they're doing and what their teams are doing. So a lot of fun to watch, but I, I get where Brett Yormark's coming from. It's just like, bro, come on. Like at least speak truthfully. Um, but he did a good job. I mean, he did a good job not answering the question. He did a good job pivoting from the question as any good CEO would do. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in and being a part of the show. Make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts and that notification bell uh, over on YouTube to let you know when new episodes drop. Follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. The show is at Locked On Sooners. Follow my boy Josh on Twitter at JoshOnRef. Let him know that you miss him. I always miss him whenever we do these so these shows solo. He held it down, though, for nearly two weeks while I was gone, so shout out to him. Uh, we're going to miss you over the next couple of days, but we'll, we'll cover the Jaden Jackson stuff. Whenever he commits, we'll let you know our thoughts on that. I'll let you know in the first segment how I feel about all of the buzz that is allowing or that is – that has Oklahoma trending in a very favorable direction for Jaden Jackson, but we'll, we'll break it all down the commitment, what it means on the next episode of locked on Sooners. So tune in then before my podcast partner, Josh Helmer, I'm John Williams. We'll talk to you next time. Boomer sooner.